You're listening to Tony Mark with The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. I'm Tony Mark, and welcome to The Art of Wellness. Today we are joined by urban planner, writer, and researcher Glenn Miller. A senior associate with the Canadian Urban Institute, Glenn has spent the last 10 years looking at the impact of our aging population on cities and towns across the country. Welcome, Glenn. Tell me a little bit about what you do. Well, for uh, more than 10 years now, I've been doing research into what happens to the population as it gets older, and with a particular interest in uh, the kind of uh, physical environment that we all inhabit, you know, the streets and neighborhoods that, that, that we live in, and what happens when your mobility, your ability to move around the city uh, gets impaired for one reason or another. Now, there's a tsunami of old people about to wash over us. By the year 2041, there'll be more seniors than working um, age people in our society. How do we deal with that? Well, I think we recognize that uh, back in the 1960s, uh, only one in 14 people were over the age of 65. And uh, by the time 2041 arrives, which is basically 25 years, um, it's going to be one in four. So the rate of increase has, has been huge. And a lot of that is fueled by the, the impact of the baby boom generation. And uh, combined with um, changes in longevity, people are living longer. And so the good news is that we're generally healthier. The other news is that uh, it isn't just people over the age of 65. We're going to have perhaps 1.3 million people in the country uh, over the age of 85. And that's a lot of very old people who have probably um, not, uh, not going to be as active as they once were. Do you personally believe that we have done enough to get ourselves to the point of preparing for, for this wave? Not really. Um, maybe uh, if, if, I, if we give a, an example of how I got interested in this. One of my good friends is a, an old age psychiatrist and uh, we would be out having coffee and he would say to me, uh, you're a planner, you should do something about this problem that I have as a, an old age psychiatrist because all of his clients, he says, at some point will get to the point where they can no longer drive. So this got me interested in the kind of suburbs that we've been building since the Second World War, which, to you know, put a finer point on it, a car dependent. You need a car to be able to do everything. And if you reach a point where you can no longer drive, whether it's for financial reasons or for, for other reasons, uh, then you're basically stuck in a place that's very hard to get around. That's interesting because I'm just going to um, go back a little bit. Uh, an old age psychiatrist, yeah. you must get a lot of insight into, you know, what we need to do from someone who's questioning and listening to these people all the time. That's right. Well, as a result of that, uh, we've actually collaborated on, on some of the research uh, together. And he tells me uh, that... Uh, trying to see it from the world of, of how policy is made to that results in the kind of uh, neighborhoods that we that, that we live in uh, he's actually changed how he um, approaches his his own practice um, which which I think is interesting and I think it it's it, one of the uh, problems that we have as a society is that we are very compartmentalized we're all very specialized and um, 
in order to be able to deal effectively with some of the problems that are coming our way, we really need to be able to balance having the, the big picture in mind with right down to the detail of are we looking after the sidewalks or are there too many cracks that people are going to trip on? That, so we have, there's a big range of things that you have to be able to deal with. So Glenn, how do you um, get uh, older people to, to use um, transit and, and to become more active? Well, I, I guess the, the best thing is to jump in a time machine and go back to um, starting out with their families. You get into habits where you do everything in, in your car and you forget about how you are once uh, depended on, on transit or walking or cycling. And so um, the, 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 the trick is, is to try to make it more uh, attractive uh, to take transit. Uh, and there's various ways you can do that. One of the things that they've done in the UK is is they've actually trained uh, bus drivers. Uh, you, you've you've all seen those cartoons of the older person getting on a bus, and as soon as they get on, the bus driver starts with a stop and sends the old person tumbling down. It happens more often than than, than you can imagine. And so the, the what happens then is that old person doesn't take the bus again. And so you want to make the uh, the conditions for taking the bus easy to adapt to. Oh, okay. So uh, it, that's all done through education, you that's know, from education. from whether it's the bus driver or even making the buses. Now the the buses they 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 have hydraulic lifts, that's for instance, right. the low you know, floor buses. Exactly. That would make it more. Um, uh, appealing to a senior that they don't have to climb up that high. Mm -hmm. So it's all through education that you can get uh, get your point across in order to make it. Yeah, more and it also comes down to uh, the decisions that uh, municipal councils and provincial governments do when they're funding uh, projects. I mean, uh, 20 years ago, the idea of low floor buses was a twinkle in the eye of the engineering uh, guy in, at, the, at the transit agency. Now I think uh, they're pretty well ubiquitous. Um, and uh, you know we're very fortunate that that's the case. Now I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to a number of European cities where you see so many older people that are active. What can we learn from a, a city like Amsterdam uh, or, or even Berlin, where you see a lot more people riding their bikes and so on? Mm -hmm. Well, I, and I, th I think one of the things that is off-putting here in Canada is, oh, we can never be like Europe. But we have to remember Denmark, which has one of the highest um, percentages of people um, using their bikes for, for getting around, no matter what their age is, um, they had the same stats that we do today uh, 50 years ago. You know, and they actually seriously invested in, in uh, the infrastructure that makes it feasible to encourage people to get out on their bikes. I was just in London, England, and the steps that have been taken there in less than 10 years to introduce uh, infrastructure that makes it feasible to even contemplate going on the road in a busy place like London, it, it's, it's quite incredible. You can actually make those changes. I, I'm remembering some of the, the things I've heard from my older clients in the, in the past. Um, and I, I have this, this older couple that I train, you know, one is 84, the other one is 83. Um, and this is the first time in 30 years that they're not going to Florida for the winter. I'm trying to encourage them to do more things, seeing that they're going to be in the city now for the winter. Mm -hmm. And they're not used to it. They're yeah. not used to taking transit and doing all the things that you mentioned. 
so maybe one strategy is is to work uh, on on uh, you know small steps for uh, you know if, if they're able to walk to uh, a neighborhood convenience store if they're able to uh, uh, once they've done that then they can walk to a park and find out that it's actually uh, not a bad experience and they can spend some time there um, probably not the time of year to start that but uh, uh, you know encourage them to get outside. I have a very simple philosophy and it surrounds getting in shape, you know, so we can enjoy our lives um, uh, to the, 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 the fullest degree. And it's just, let's move. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds so simple. We all need to move. And this is why this is of such interest to me, because if we're not planning for it, it's not going to, um, we're going to have an aging population that's not used to, or they're not um, equipped uh, uh, to move properly. Yes, yeah, so they get out of the habit. It doesn't come uh, naturally. So, Glenn, with, with, with all the, the, the work and the consulting that you've done, are you seeing an improvement in how we're in the outlook? Are politicians, um, other city planners, uh, developers, are they starting to take this seriously now? Well, it's a good question. Um, I think it's starting, uh, but I think we're still in the early stages. Um, there's a, a movement called uh, age-friendly communities, which comes from the health uh, disciplines, uh, which the World Health Organization has been promoted. It was piloted here in Canada, and now it's been adopted as a as a, an aspiration in more than 500 communities across the country. Um, but it's really uh, dealing with all of the social and and health delivery issues rather than the changes to the built environment to the to the physical places that, that we live in and some of the work that I'm uh, engaged with right now is to try to make a case for why uh, municipalities need to put effort into changing the policies and the design criteria for how we actually build our communities. So, Glenn, what are the small, some of the small wins for, for a neighborhood in how to develop their space? Well, I'll give you an example from Vancouver. Uh, there was a project where the Public Works Department worked with researchers at the University of British Columbia uh, to uh, investigate uh, what would make uh, the area more attractive for older adults. And uh, so the research was quite extensive. They did interviews and focus groups, but they also uh, attached uh, little devices to these uh, older adults to, uh, as they went about their, their daily business to find out where they were going. And they, they were able to map that and sort of uh, compare that to uh, what, the, what the people were telling them. And they used that as the basis for... Uh, that advice on on the kinds of conditions that uh, th- these older people would look for uh, in in this uh, in this corridor where you could actually um, get get better access to uh, recreational spaces. I was going to say that um, kind of relates to what you were saying before. You know, mentioning that's kind of a GPS t- a style. That's right. Um, so they know exactly what's going on, and we were talking about where the the um, older people congregate. And you know how to plan based on that. Yeah, and I think what they're trying to get at is what are the motivations, what are the things that might actually deter people from going out, and what are the things that would attract them. So some of the things they found out was uh, make the um, 
the the park destination um, more accessible. Uh, make sure there's a washroom. Make sure there's um, benches that people can rest al along the way. Uh, make sure that the lighting uh, is good and that the the actual surface that they're walking on is actually um, able to um, be suitable for people with walkers um, or other mobility devices. In in doing my research about you and the the phenomenal work that you um, that you're doing and you did, and it said it said to me and it stood out quite um, quite richly. Um, if you build for the young, you exclude the old. But if you build for the old, you include the young. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a statement! And yeah, that's I wish something. I'd made it. <laughs> it was made by a, ger a gerontologist in the UK. And I think it's it, fascinating because well, it's it true. Really, it really says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, you're what you're what you're doing is uh, the philosophy of the planning that we're trying to promote. Is when we say age-friendly communities, we're really saying uh, that the communities should be good for whether you're eight years old or, or 80. In fact, there's actually a non-profit organization called 880 uh, oh, that really? is dedicated to uh, trying to promote more, more activity on the streets. So, Glenn, let me ask you now. Um, you've been working with cities, with municipalities in order to move um, this, this vision forward. But if you were starting from scratch, money, no object, how would you go about, what would you want to do right from the beginning to make sure that the vision that you, uh, you see of uh, um, being 80, 85, 90 and comfortable mm -hmm. and interactive, how would you go about doing that? Well, I'd look at examples. Uh, we have some places in the city of Toronto um, that are what I'm, I would call an age-friendly neighborhood right now. The streets are on a grid. Uh, so it's relatively easy to make your way from where you are to the main shopping street, um, to be able to have access to um, to shops, to um, your doctor's offices, and 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 public transit if you want to be able to to make that uh, that that longer journey. Um, from a utopian point of view. Um, I would like to be able to not have built all of the places that you need a car to get around in, um, but uh, we're, we're stuck with those. So looking for opportunities to retrofit those. It takes time to make change. And so one of the things that planners can do, and supported by politicians, is to have an eye out for opportunities to make um, age-friendly uh, development uh, when, when you have a chance to. Glenn, um, this has been fascinating and um, I want to thank you for, for informing us and, and giving us the opportunity to learn more about uh, the future of our city and future of uh, uh, places around the, the, the globe. So thank you so very much oh, for coming in. You're very welcome.